these are the things I wish I had had conversations around when I was starting in yeah. youth ministry. So we would love to be a voice for you to help learn from our mistakes uh, as, as we dive into this, because I think the stakes are higher than they've ever been. Welcome to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast, where we talk about the calling of youth pastors to equip students for the work of making disciples, moving teens from church attenders to disciple makers. Here are your hosts, Joel Friend and Jeremy Collins. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast, Episode 2, where we're going to jump into the question, how it's going looking at youth ministry in our context and what we're doing. My name is Jeremy Collins, and I'm joined here with Joel Friend. How are you doing, Joel? I'm good, Jeremy. It is a beautiful day outside, and I cannot complain. And I'm all, as they, as the kids say, I'm all, what is it? I'm all for it? Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, all for it. No, I'm, I'm all about it. I can't remember. I don't pay attention to what they say. But welcome to, this, <laughs> welcome to this Youth <laughs> Ministry Podcast where we try to stay relevant. So, so this today's episode is really interesting, isn't it? it we're we're going to look at some of, you know, our journeys and what we've seen and experienced, and uh, what we've seen change over the years, and what hasn't changed, and, and what we've learned the most. And trust me, we've learned quite a lot. Yeah, and we usually le- learn the most from our mistakes. <laughs> yes, and so we've Amen. also made a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah, awesome. So let's let's jump into this first point. Uh, that we want to tackle is looking at, you know, you you and I have been in youth ministry for quite a long time, and we've seen so many different things happen, and so many different events, and so many different ways we do program, and games, and all, all these different stuff that's happened over the years, and um, and, and also the shift in culture, too, Absolutely. over the course of the last, you know, uh, 14, 15 years. So let, let's look at this in terms of youth ministry, world, culture, all those sorts of things. You know, what has changed? Um, you want to do, like, back and forth? Yeah, let's you go do back wanna, and Okay, forth. Why, don't you, why don't you open up? What, what's one thing you have down that this has changed over the years? Mo- mostly, and I was just having this conversation the other day, it, social media, technology, communication, all wrapped into one, and... It's so ever-changing, but I remember back when I first started at this church, at First Presbyterian Church in Bakerstown, and the kids made me get an NV2 Mm. phone, the flip phone with the texting I'd never texted before. I mean, I had a beeper in high school. So, yeah. Um, So my first smartphone wasn't until uh, I was well into ministry, uh, but the communications and how far we've come in that short amount of time where social media is dominating the, the, the spectrum for these students, and they're in social media all the time, and it's always ever-changing, and that just was not the case. It was far simpler in some respects uh, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's, uh, um, I imagine some of these are going to piggyback on one another, and I have one that does here. I wrote down this. I said, what has changed is the increase in cultural influence because of the increased availability of cultural content. Um, and and I and what I mean by that is that our kids, the download rate of biblical truth versus the download rate of cultural narrative is absolutely lopsided. And it's not all bad, right? So I mean, yeah, think about last summer. We're in 2021, and last summer uh, you had all this, uh, you know, the causes for racial injustice, which uh, you know Christians should stand up for, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
And so we had a lot of our students who were, you know, expressing their concerns about this and expressing their solidarity to stand against racial injustice, which is awesome. Uh, but there's a lot of other stuff out there, too, that I think these kids are getting uh, that uh, that the the World Wide Web has opened them up to so many different narratives and, and a lot more cultural influence uh, than I think we have. And, and it's really hard for us to, to keep up with. And, and you had said something at one point uh, about like, we don't need to try to keep up with them. We need to help them to learn how to discern. Yeah, and and if we try to out entertain and out uh, get their attention, we're we're losing that battle because we're never going to be able to be with them twenty four seven on their phones all the time. But if we're giving them the ability to discern what they're seeing through a Christian biblical worldview, that when they see something that doesn't feel right or they don't, they're like, oh, I'm not sure about that that they test it with scripture, not their own heart, not their own culture, not what's around them. And that is such a hard thing to do, but I think that's the task that we have to be about because social media is not going away. No. Uh, our smartphones are not going away, no matter who makes the next uh, quote-unquote smart, dumb phone. Um, it's not going away. We're going to have these computers in our pockets. So are we teaching students how to discern what they're consuming i think is so important yeah and uh I, I don't think i told you this but we have a discipleship retreat coming up with our high school kids and that is our theme mm. is to learn to discern and i got it from that conversation that we had that's sweet. was like oh yeah that would be like a really good kind of task to like you know work over work with them with so uh so that's awesome so what's uh what's another one you have there for what has changed well for what has changed for me personally in youth ministry as well as how i've approached youth ministries i use parents as leaders far more than i ever did mm. and when i first started out in youth ministry i was the lone wolf in my mind, cool guy, youth pastor, and I was going to build relationships with these kids, and I was going to disciple these kids, and I was going to help these kids learn more about Jesus. And the more time that's gone on, uh, I've realized uh, I can't do this alone, and I shouldn't do this alone. I'm not called to do this alone, so I use parents as leaders in in most every aspect. Now, COVID's made that a little bit more difficult, yeah, uh, but that's still our aim and our goal, and that would be a marked difference in our ministry today than from our ministry of 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, uh, one that I had down is what has changed is youth ministry branding. And, and <laughs> what I mean by that is like, you know, you know, back in the day, you used to just have someone, hey, I got, we got this youth group down the road, why don't you go? And, and nowadays we got logos and sayings and we have all these catchphrases and we want to be, you know, we got this organizational motif and motto that we want to, uh, we want to place in front of kids to let them know what we're about. And, you know, I, you know, I it definitely got a logo at some point down the road, you know, in, in our youth ministry. And we use it for our Instagram to kind of let people know, like, mm -hmm. hey, this is, you know, this is uh, our Instagram. I mean, we're going to have a picture of my face up as the IG profile, right? So, you know, we, we got a logo and all those sorts of things, and they're good. And I think they are a good tool. Um, for us to use, but you know, I think we have to be careful about making them the end all be all that the only way the kids are going to be wanting to be involved is if we're, we're flashy and we're colorful and, mm -hmm. and those sorts of things. Sure, they can grab their attention for a while, but are, what is going to really keep them there? So I think that youth ministry branding uh, is a very interesting component that I've seen kind of come alive specifically in like the last three years. Um, 
I was in this youth group. I was on, I was in this Facebook page for all these youth pastors, and somebody asked the question like, "What is the like mission of your church?" Mm-hmm. And there was so many different answers to that. There was the like, you know, to serve and 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 be like Jesus. To, to or another would be like to bring the kingdom of God. And and there's the sense of which they're they're all sort of right, uh, but they all kind of come at it from a different mm-hmm. direction, uh, sort of thing. And uh, you know, some are to equip and uh, encourage. And you know, there's all these. Ours was back in the day. It was to know God and make God known. Mm-hmm. So we had these catchphrases to try to say, hey, if we were to do our elevator speech or our tweet of what our youth ministry is about, like we need to get to that. And so, um, but yeah, youth ministry branding has been uh, one of those more interesting things that I've seen kind of on the rise over the course of the last uh, mm-hmm. couple years. Yeah, we, we somewhat avoided that. We're hoping that what's old becomes new again. We're a youth <laughs> group and uh, we, we keep it simple. But yeah, I've definitely seen that as well. I would say uh, another, another recognition of something that's different uh, would be that Kids are dealing with things at a younger age than ever before. Mm. They're being encountered with culture and ideas. I think that's partly due to my first point of phones and smartphones and all those things. But it, what a middle schooler was dealing with is now what a upper elementary school kid wow. is dealing with. And yeah. so our ministry made the shift to bring in fourth, fifth, and sixth graders. Uh, we had been doing sixth, seventh, and eighth, but we break down preteen ministries, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Middle school is 7th and 8th, and high school is ninth through 12th, mainly because we see in 4th and 5th graders this desire to go deeper and learn more, and they don't want to be treated as kids anymore because they're not dealing with kids' stuff. Mm. They're thinking about things that I was not thinking about when I was in 4th grade. Yeah, um, I was like, let's go burn something in the yard or play baseball or whatever it would be. Um, these kids are, are having much deeper thoughts and conversations. So that's something that I've seen change uh, just in culture and the way kids are interacting with culture. Yeah, so we we haven't gotten quite on board with that just yet. You know, I mean, but how's I know you've been doing that for a couple of years. I mean, how has that been? We might get into this a little bit in our COVID episode. Um, it was running great, and then a year ago we had to pause on everything. So it's been right. a little little tough. Um, but I will say the buy-in from fourth and fifth grade parents has been fantastic from that perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, I hope that you can rejuvenate that once we get on the other side of this. Uh, That would be awesome. Uh, Another thing I've seen change over the years is the outsourcing uh, of program and Mm -hmm. teaching content. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, back in the day, you and I, you know, we would sit down and I still do. Uh, we didn't do it for a while. We were, you know, using XP3 and all those. I know, I think you still use some orange here and there, uh, orange curriculum, but it's, it's amazing to see how many people are relying on other people mm-hmm. writing their teaching content for them so they can present that to their kids. I, I was listening to uh, Walt Mueller's podcast on, um, uh, I think it's Youth Culture Matters, and he, w- he had a guy on there of like, and in, in, in they were talking about, should, a, should someone else write your sermon for you? I mean, that was specifically mm-hmm. the, uh, the, uh, the podcast uh, topic that day. And so it's an interesting one. But then, you know, you got like YM360, you got Leader Treks, you got Download Youth Ministry, you got... Um, grow Curriculum. You got Grow Curriculum. Got, yeah. yeah, you know, what's so funny is that when we, 
uh, you know, it was a couple years ago, and I think this is probably a little bit of the the, the thing that people like. It was a couple years ago where I wa- I saw this uh, this trailer that I think it was Groker Lickham put out, and they were like, "It's an infomercial." Yeah, they were like, "Do you struggle every week with coming up with a game? Are you pulling your hair out because you're not sure what to teach on the next week? Well, if you you know, do we have a solution for you, right? And it's like it's so funny because you're kind of going, "Yes, I do. I don't want to make up another game. No." I don't know what to talk about next week. And if you just pay us like a thousand dollars a year, we'll be we'll be able to provide all of this content for you. And and it's wonderful. And I think it's such, you know, bless those people who put that stuff together. But I wonder if we lose some of our creative edge mm-hmm. whenever we begin to outsource some of our program and teaching content. And I know I'm not the best at games. Sure. It's not my forte. Um, but uh, I think they, their games are helpful, and maybe if you know someone else knows how to do them or come up with them, sure you can use them. But yeah, I've definitely seen that as more and more program and teaching content. Well, and that ties right into to my next one is I would say something has changed is I put a lot more thought into what I'm actually saying uh, in preparation for our time together. Uh, or another way to say that is uh, I spend a lot more time thinking about discipleship than I ever have. Mm. Hence, we're here, right? right? Um, and and so in terms of teaching, one of the things that we've gotten into is, yeah, we use Grow Curriculum currently right now for our middle school students, um, but we spend just as much time almost uh, deconstructing and then reconstructing the lesson around what they've built to put it in our context. Yeah, Because often good. what I've found is even with the best curriculums, um, I sit here and go, ah, I, you know, I, I feel like we need to go deeper. I feel like a lot of times with the, the issue I have with a lot of those curriculums is I feel like they get to the one yard line and then they stop. Hmm. And like, you got to keep going and we, we really got to push. So that's a lot of what we do. But yeah, so much of my time now more than ever has been spent reading books, listening to podcasts, consuming uh, Christian content around discipleship because I so desire to figure out how to do this better. Yeah, let me piggyback on that. One of mine, I had another one down was um, uh, there's more thoughts on youth ministry yep. now than there ever has been before. Back in the day, yep. you had like three guys. You had like Doug Fields. You know, Doug Fields has been in youth ministry for like 100 years. Uh, then you had Wayne Rice, who was like this middle school guru. And you have Duffy Robbins. Mm-hmm. You know, he, you know, all of these wonderful people. And you just kind of drew upon what they were doing. And maybe that was a big reason why a lot of youth ministries probably look the same because we had just a handful of people. And now there's so much more stuff out there, not to mention more podcasts than ever before. So why not another podcast on youth ministry here, Jeremy? And uh, yeah, so. Well, and, and, and the reason for that is, and, and I think we got into this a little bit in our previous uh, episode, but these are the things I wish I had had conversations around when I was starting in yeah. youth ministry. And I wish, so we would love to be a voice for you to help learn from our mistakes uh, as, as we dive into this, because I think the stakes are higher than they've ever been when we're talking about discipling young people and having these conversations, because ultimately uh, you don't get trained to do this. Uh, As you shared before, you're, you're going through seminary. I've been through seminary and I had, I went to a Christian college, you went to a Christian college. And yet it wasn't until 10, 15 years into ministry that we're really feeling like, man, we're getting this. Finally, we're getting this. <laughs> maybe we're just slow. <laughs> yeah, that may, may, it maybe it's that, you, you know, many people are like, dude, do you ever read a book and be like, I already know how to do this. And like, why am I reading that? Maybe this is someone's book right now. They're like, what? 
are these guys talking about? How did they take so long to get to this place? And if that's you, we're so glad that you're listening and you yeah. can write us in and tell us all the mistakes that we've made and, and how we can do so much better. <laughs> so uh, I have one more for what has changed. Is, uh, it's this, and it's, it's made, I think, youth ministry a little bit more challenging. And by a little bit, I mean a lot, but is the availability of students. Mm. The availability of students. Um, you know, nowadays we're lucky if students come to one of the things that yeah. we offer. Right. So, you know, if you have Bible study and you want to have an event and you want to have a retreat and you want to have, you know, if you have all this stuff planned in, in like one week, there's a little, you know, people might have to pick and choose for you because back in the day, sports, activities, mm-hmm. extracurricular stuff, mm-hmm. it wasn't as demanding for kids. Uh, and uh, and so I think I think what happens is we are aware of that. And so we try to pack so much into one program. Mm-hmm. Right. So we want to be outreach focus but we also want to create community but we also want to be discipleship focused and so on one night we have you know big awesome game and then we have deep worship and then we have just like expository mm-hmm. preaching and then we have small group. and so we have all this stuff that's jam-packed in the one night so that it becomes the walmart of youth group right so we're we try to come you try to hit everything in one place and so one of the unintended consequences if you try to hit too many targets you you know if you try to aim at too many targets you you tend to miss more, right? Yep. So you you yep. don't you're not hitting exactly what you want to do. You're not you're trying to hit um, ten nails one time rather than one nail ten times. And I think that is mm-hmm. one thing that we need to look at as we uh, as youth group has changed over the years. Is like okay, so if students' availability is limited, how are we going to be able to reach these kids to disciple them for for Jesus? And if their availability is limited, what do we have to let go of that maybe isn't essential the way we think it is? And, and that's, that's a lot of what we're talking about. So that's everything that we've gone through about what has changed. Joel, what are some of the things that haven't changed? Yeah, this one was interesting. Uh, the first one I, I wrote down was uh, the program template, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you go to any basic youth ministry, you know, you're probably going to see a very similar template. You know, show up, hang out. You know, you're going to have a game. You'll have, uh, you'll have a uh, was it maybe worship. And uh, if you, you know, if that's part of, if you have the musical talent to pull that sure, off. Sure. And, then, and then you have a talk and then maybe small group. I mean, the template really hasn't changed the over the year, which is like really interesting because, you know, I haven't met too many people that have really reinvented the world real when it comes to a program to how they run the night. I know, you know, you it varies if you're doing a Bible study versus mm-hmm. if you're doing a program for a large group of people. But yeah, I think it's been interesting to watch the template over the last several years just kind of stay the same. Yeah, I think that that's an astute observation, um, and maybe maybe the template should change. I don't know. That's something we can talk about. So something that I would say is hasn't changed, and I'd be interested if this hasn't changed for you, dodgeball. Uh, it's sort of changed. Has it? What, what's changed we, about it? We don't play it as much as we used to. Um, and I think it was, I think that it was like the whole thing. Remember with Chubby Bunny, like years ago, Oh yeah. we heard the, like one story about the kid who, sure. you know, I think passed away or something like that. And then all of a sudden everybody stopped doing, can't do it. Yeah. Most people stopped doing Chubby Bunny. I'm sure there's still some people that are like, <laughs> we still do Chubby Bunny, but dodgeball. No, dodgeball has not been around as much. And even when we did it, it was more of like knock cones down. Okay. But then kids totally still hit each other in the face. So. Yeah, we we still we still rock dodgeball, but I guess the one thing that has changed, it went from uh, something of no head safety to very much head safety. Right. Um, yeah, we, we play something called war ball, which is one ball dodgeball, and everyone's for themselves. Yeah. And it's all craziness running around. So there's only one ball flying around, which makes 
the possibility of getting hit a lot less. So, but that hasn't changed for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some people will probably be like, "Yes, dodgeball for life." Uh, <laughs> one of my uh, one of my other ones was uh, the desire to draw a crowd. Mm. I think that is still very much alive in our youth ministry culture, and you know, trying to figure out what's the next best game we can bring, what is going to attract more kids each week, what is going to be what we mm-hmm. can use to um, you know fill seats. And so, I think that is definitely something that. Uh, hasn't changed over the year and uh, over the years, but I think one of the questions that we'll be asking, and we'll, we're going to have a an episode specifically around that kind of that attractional model of ministry. It's like, what are we doing uh, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. the kids once we once we get them? And I think that's the important question for us to ask. Like, I think it's fine for us to draw the crowd as long as we're heading in the right direction with what we're ultimately trying to accomplish with that crowd. Yeah, uh, you're right on. Uh, one of the ones that I've found, and maybe less so for me personally as of late. But I would say ministry can be lonely. Mm. And, and I think that that has not changed. And it depends upon the context. I remember when I first started in youth ministry and I hadn't made connections with other youth pastors yet. And I hadn't made, I didn't grow up in this area, so I didn't know as many people. Man, I was an island. And I, and I did youth ministry that way purposefully. And I, I can't believe I still did that. And that's one of the things I'm so thankful for doing this podcast with you and, and having that relationship, having other colleagues in ministry that not only can I go to, but bounce ideas off of who will tell me if I'm way out of bounds <laughs> on this thought or uh, working alongside I, for a long time. I'd, I was the solo staff person, but to right. be able to have uh, Kaylin who works with me, I know Sophia works with you. And um, I mean, man, that is just, there, there's something so good about working together with someone in ministry. So, yeah. And I think that, you know, when I first started, I, I desired that, but I think most of it was so that I could like pitch my ideas that everybody would agree with. So there was still some (laughs) loneliness to it is when people didn't accept my ideas, I kind of took it as personal rejection, but the Lord has done a good work in me over the years. And I've learned those things and, and the, you know, the, the collaboration uh, of working together with other people for the same cause uh, of the gospel. Uh, And the last one for me is this, is that this is not only true for students, it's still true for adults, but this is definitely still true for students, is that students uh, are still relying on that big moment mm-hmm. to shape their faith rather than a thousand moments of faithfulness, mm-hmm. right? And I think that they they go from, uh, you know, Duffy Robbins is a great book called uh, How to Build a Youth Ministry to Build Disciples, and he talks about his whole chapter on, uh, it, it, I think he calls it, uh, you know, Tarzan Youth Ministry is that students are swinging from big event to big event mm-hmm. and relying on those to, you know, catalyze their faith in the direction of, like, I love Jesus. I remember, you know, when I was a kid and I'd come back from camp, mm-hmm. and I didn't even have a relationship with Jesus then, and I was, like, all about it, but then it would fade. Mm-hmm. And so I think kids are still looking for that that powerful moment to define things rather than figuring out in the discipleship model of of how to faithfully attend to the things of God mm. each and every day. You know, my boss gave a, a sermon a couple weeks ago. He talked about how the uh, disciples, uh, Peter, James, and John, went up on the Mount mm-hmm. of Transfiguration, uh, you know, with Jesus, and that big moment happened, and and that was like of that was a really big moment for them. But they still had to go back down the mountain 
and and they had all these ministry opportunities that that came their way, and there were all little moments and uh, along the way. But they had this one big moment that, that you know that wasn't going to be the thing that defines their faith. Uh, it was going to be all of those little ministry moments along the way uh, that'll be there. And so I think that's an important thing that we need to help our our students understand. Yeah, and, and that ties right into my last one, which is is just the need for students to know the gospel, and and to tie it back into what you just said that uh, the gospel needs to be that foundational thing that is tied back into students, that they, they learn to, to be so enamored at the mystery and the beauty and the glory of God displayed in the, in the gospel. And, and as Martin Luther says, that they proclaim the gospel to themselves every day. And so yet we can seek out some of those moments, but we should have those moments every day when we're just floored by what God has done out of no result of our own work. Um, and, and to try to foster that in our ministries, I think, is is what we're talking about when we're saying changing the culture to being a disciple-making youth ministry But culture. it's so much easier to rely on the one big thing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you can schedule it and put it on a calendar. Yes. And Oh, absolutely. But that faithful, that faithful, deliberate intention each day is way harder to do. It's way easier to rely on this one moment. But, but you're right. I think that is the direction we need to be going in. And so just one you know, final challenge as we begin to close here is for you guys is, you know, maybe spend some time yourself. Uh, and if you're on a team, just and if you don't do this already, please do this. Like, you know, go through some time of analysis and look at, all right, what are we trying to ultimately accomplish here? What's our end goal? What do we want to do that's sustainable in the lives of these students? And then you need to start asking questions like, okay, so what's working to do that? Mm-hmm. And what isn't working to do that? And and if there are certain things that aren't working to do that, I think it's I think it's good to let them go. Yeah, and, and if you're in a context where you might be by yourself and you're listening to this and you're not quite sure, you can... Hit us up on disciplemakingym at gmail.com. We'd love to, to discuss some of that with you as well and, and bounce ideas to see if you would like to hear what we think, not that we have necessarily any authority. We can tell you how to do things, not how not to do yeah, things. that's exactly right. We, we can, can do that for sure. We can do that. Well, uh, I'm, I'm so excited for what we have coming up next week on the podcast as we start looking into COVID and youth ministry and what our initial reactions pivots once COVID hit. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to get in that conversation next week. And it's so long and it's a two-parter. Yeah, we had to break it up. We had to break it up. So we've got part one next week, and then naturally part two the week after. But it's been so great to have you guys here with us, and uh, uh, we hope this has been a helpful uh, time for you to listen in to what, uh, you know, what, uh, what we've learned and seen change over the years and what hasn't changed. And you know, one kind of final closing thought for us is this, is you know, Jeremy and I were talking about this at the uh, kind of at the beginning of this podcast before we started recording was, you know, what's one thing that we both have, uh, have kind of learned? And I think the one thing has been is um, that we've been in the same place, in the same ministry p- positions uh, for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And longevity in, in youth ministry uh, in the same place opens up so many more doors for you to walk through when it comes to, um, you know, when you go to change a program thing and you realize what hasn't worked over the years and you have the established trust of your leadership, of your parents, of your volunteers, and to know when that shift comes that they're on board because they trust you. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to add to that? No, that, that's such a good thought and such good encouragement. Uh, friends, I'd encourage you to stick it out if you can where you are to see that longevity 
uh, not only in the lives of students and, and parents and consistency, but like Joel said, it, it'll just build more opportunities for you uh, to walk through some of those doors. So it was so great for you guys to join us this week, and we hope you tune in next week. See you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Disciple Making Youth Ministry Podcast. We sure do hope you enjoyed it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe wherever it is you consume your podcasts. We hope you have been encouraged by what you have heard and you're ready to jump into the hard work of disciple making. Catch you on the next one.